0: We're in the 113th psalm, and I want to preach to you from this psalm on a joyful mother. And uh, so as you find that, if you would stand with me, uh, and we'll read the psalm together. Psalm 113, nine verses. It's a short psalm. Psalm 113, beginning in verse 1. These are the words of God. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who hath himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mighty work in our world. And thank you for all of your great glory that is in your handiwork, in all the things that we see around us. And Lord especially us as people, your image bearers. It's hard for us sometimes when we look at each other to see your image shining through because there are faults and there are flaws and there are ways that um, we are in rebellion against you. And yet, Lord, you have chosen to display yourself in us. You are, uh, you've done a great work of redemption in order to restore your image in us. And you are doing a work even now through your church to display the fullness of your glory in the world. I pray that we would be excited for the opportunity to have a part in that. Uh, To be, first of all, recovered by your grace and restored by your image to your image. But also then to proclaim your glory in the world around us. To declare your glory among the heathen, to show men the need for a Savior, and to call men to faith and repentance. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this and allowed us to have a part in the work that you're doing in the world. And I pray that all of us would rejoice that we have this part, and I pray that we would be diligent, that, uh, even as word and help to their mother, to the, the their wives, the mothers of their children, and. Then that uh, the children would be obedient and honor, And I pray especially for our ladies that you would give them strength and help them as they carry on the work that you've given them to do. That they would be faithful to it. That they would not be drawn after the lust of their flesh and their mind to other things. To place priority on those other things. I pray that you would do these things for Christ's sake. Now Lord we ask your blessing on the preaching that you would help in a special way to drive the points home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> the Bible often uses what we might refer to as an expectant scene. Okay, so there are expectant scenes. You, you, it, it's one of those things when you see it, you kind of know what's coming. You, there's a hint to what lies ahead in the story. It's a familiar scene that's been repeated in various contexts, but typically leads to what you think it's going to lead to. It, it tells you, in fact, what to expect. Now, the lit, there's a literary term for it, a technical term, that's called motif. All right? And I talk about motif sometimes from the pulpit, and I always feel like, should I even be talking about this in church, in God's house? Motif. Who knows or cares about motif, but you all know about motif and you care about it, too. That's why you like Hallmark movies. Hallmark movie is just one gigantic, enormous motif. Just as soon as you see the cover, you know what the story is and you watch it anyway. You okay? I don't watch it. Some of the men are shaking their heads. Good for you. Alright, but other obviously there's a, quite the market for it because we we, we know where the story is going and we want it to go there as well. That's the other thing about motif, about that expectation, is that we want it to go there. We want it to end up where it's going. When you're watching a movie, typically you notice, and this is it's a subtle thing, but you notice. When the tall, dark, and handsome guy catches the eye of the beautiful woman. You know. You recognize it. And you know what's coming. There's an expectation. And there's almost a disappointment if the if the love angle doesn't work out quite the way you were hoping that it would. If you're watching a sports movie. You know what has to happen. Rocky has to get knocked down 25 times, have both his eyes swollen shut, and then he's going to pulverize the guy in the last, round, the last minute of the last round. That's what we love about a sports movie. Who wants to watch a sports movie where the, the, the team that won the championship for the last five years wins it again? Nobody's buying that movie. They're not even going to make that movie. They're not going to spend a dollar making that movie. Because in a sports movie, the underdog has to win. That's the motif right there. As soon as you see who the the losers are, that's who you're rooting for. That's what they put into the movie. And of course, you know, the clink of spurs on a dusty western street at sunset. Right? And we know that Black Bart is getting it in the chest. That very hour. Even so, the Bible has, in fact, mastered the expectancy. Mastered it. In the Bible, if a man meets a woman at a well, you know someone's getting married. Right? I mean, this is, this is where men go to find wives. In the Bible, introduces us To a barren woman, you know that a Savior is about to be born. Ask Samson's mother. Ask Samuel's mother. Ask Elizabeth. Right? This is how the Bible introduces a coming Savior. By showing you a barren woman. And so, this 113th psalm seeks to praise and magnify the Lord. It's a psalm about praise. It's a simple psalm. It's not deep, it's not complex, it's straightforward. Direct praise for God. It may be one of the purest psalms of praise in the entire book of Psalms. From the start, we're exhorted to praise the Lord. The servants are urged. To praise him. We are urged to praise his name. And then the psalmist leads the way by praising the Lord from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. He is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. No one is like the Lord who dwelleth on high, and yet he condescends to us, humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven. And the things that are in earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes. And by the way, that particular praise is offered almost verbatim by Hannah when she gives birth to Samuel after years of barrenness. She praises the Lord. With those words. <clears throat> but then the psalm of praise is capped off. With a very. Surprisingly specific. When you consider how broad and general. The psalm itself is. And then we come to this one. Very specific praise at the very end. He make it the barren woman. To keep house. And to be a joyful mother of children, praise ye the Lord. As if to show God at his finest, reaching down to the barren woman, exalting her, blessing her, giving her the thing that her heart desires in life. I doubt in this generation, in this culture, I doubt that we could understand or comprehend the terrible disgrace that a barren woman carried in the time of the Old Testament. It was as if God Himself had abandoned her. A wife, this is hard to comprehend, but a wife was not considered to be worthy of living in a house until she gave birth. Now, that was a cultural thing at that time. But that's why the Bible's, the verse says, he maketh the barren woman to keep house. The keep there literally means to dwell in a house. He makes her to dwell in a house and to be a joyful mother of children. Not that a barren woman was kicked out of the house, but it was thought that she had not earned her place in the house. Until she had given birth to a child. The psalm reminds us that God cares for the outcast. Cares for them so much that he blesses the disgraced, the despised woman. He blesses her with a child. The thing she desires, the thing she longs for. He brings her from discredit to credit. From disgrace to grace and blessing. So that her child is a blessing to her. And she is in fact elevated by giving birth to this child. Now, it's very difficult for us in this culture to understand the mindset of a culture that would disgrace a woman who did not give birth to a child The stigma of the barren womb in the Old Testament would be hard for us in 2023 to comprehend. We have, in fact, almost the opposite problem in our day and age. If you have more than a couple of kids in this day, um, a certain stigma attaches to that in this culture. I've told the story before when my kids were little and. Now, we are waiting in line to, you know, to board an aircraft and uh, we're there at the gate and we've got the kids sitting around in a circle. And my wife ran off to find some McDonald's or something and bring it back. And we're passing it around to the kids in the circle. And I'm, now I'm they're entertaining them. And meanwhile, there are some other, you know, um, couples, couple other couples that are together and they're uh, they're talking in a not so quiet and subtle way, can you believe all these kids? Who would have this many kids? It's, it's irresponsible, they're saying. Listen so here, hold my cheeseburger for a second. Don't get the mustard on you, all right? Um, this is the way people look at it today, because kids get in the way of our goals and our priorities. This is this is where we have it all wrong. I know that in this day and age, we consider ourselves to be the most enlightened, the most, in, the, the most knowledgeable, the most advanced culture in history. But we get this thing wrong about kids. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. Because when God made Adam and Eve, He gave them a job to do be fruitful and multiply, He said and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over it. And so God's plan for man was to fill the earth with children. Today we talk about overpopulation. You know, too many kids, too many people, because people want to live their selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed lives, Without anything to get in the way of that, and anyone who's had kids know the way kids disrupt your perfect life and make messes all over. All right, one time we took our uh, kids, they're little, little, and we went to visit my aunt and uncle. And this one uncle of mine was also always a very imposing figure, and always. Had everything just immaculate around his house. And I remember when I was 12 going to visit him and I was carrying some luggage into his house and they had their front door wrapped in Christmas paper wrapping, bright red cellophane. And I used my knee to open the door. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, there was my frowning uncle. Standing there. So we went to visit this frowning uncle, and he had perfect white carpet. Thick shag, brand new white carpet. And of course, of course, because you know how this goes, we went in to visit, and my son had diarrhea. Because, I mean, why not, right? That's the time. If you're ever going to have diarrhea, you have it when there's white, perfect carpet. And a frowning, imposing uncle. This is just how this is what happens. You have kids and they make messes. They are a mess all the time. You're a mess because you have kids. <clears throat> Mothers, especially in this day and age, are encouraged to ditch the kids, put them in daycare, right? Take your maternity leave and then get back to your life, your goals. Your career and overall, there tends to be a great reluctance on the part of parents, especially mothers, to embrace this priority of raising children. And yet, I say to you that the neglect of children and the rejection of children by our culture is, in fact, a rejection of God's blessing. It. Is, I have to say that it is. Par for the course for our culture, which is actively, openly rejecting the greatest blessing that God has ever provided. His grace in salvation, in providing pardon for our sin and reconciliation to himself. And we reject that as if God's trying to do some devious thing by saving our souls. I mean, can you believe it? God is trying to bless you, not just for the moment, but for all eternity. What a bad God. I want no part with that. Stay away from me. He's probably trying to enslave me or something. Like lure me in. No, no, no. That's what the devil is doing, actually. He uses sin. He he shows the bait and conceals the hook so that he can drag you off to hell. But the Lord Jesus Christ is very openly, very freely extending to you His grace and salvation, calling you to repent and believe, offering you an eternity of happiness and joy. And the same thing, I mean, when you reject the one big blessing, it's no shocker that you would reject the other blessings, including the blessing Of children, but children still are a blessing, a mark of blessing on a woman. So mothers ought to rejoice in their calling and embrace their work of mothering children. Let me make three points to that end then. First of all, let me just point out to you the blessing of motherhood God blesses women with children. I shouldn't need to say that, (laughs) really. I should never have to like persuade you that when God gave you children, He was blessing you. I, I should not have to tell you that, explain it to you. It, it should be one of those "well duh" moments. It really should. But in our culture, where down is up and up is down, and right is wrong and wrong is right, evil is good and good is evil, we have to reassert certain truths here. God did not curse you with children. He blessed you with them. Children are a blessing. The Bible goes even further than that. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And get this. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Reward. Your children are his reward. To you He rewarded you with children. If you inherited a million dollars, you wouldn't call that a curse or a burden. Well, at least I would say we would all it's a burden we would all be happy to bear. If you wanted to keep that inheritance, you'd have to be a careful steward of it. You can blow through a million dollars almost as fast as you can spend a thousand dollars. As people who have won the lottery can tell you, historically, the lottery winners demonstrate the truth of the old adage, easy come, easy go. An inheritance requires upkeep, maintenance, stewardship. Even so, your children require your attention and your labor. But nobody who inherits a million dollars calls it a burden a curse or at least most would say that it's a burden that they will gladly shoulder i'll soldier up and i'll take it for the team <clears throat> even so children are a happy burden a delightful burden they are a mark of god's blessing don't don't let anyone tell you differently by means of her children a christian wife has the joy and privilege of participating in the work that God is doing in our world. And I don't say this in a condescending way at all. Her her opportunity through her children to participate in God's work in our world is staggering. Now think about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, God handed down some specific Curses as chastisement. And for Eve, the curse was I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. That was the curse. And yet, the woman is called, is encouraged to embrace the curse, not to run from it, not to hide from it, not to reject the curse avoid the curse, but to embrace it. She has children. Yes, it's painful. It's difficult. I feel bad when I see a pregnant lady and especially towards the end of the pregnancy and I haven't experienced it, but I have helped my wife through five of these and I know that last month you hardly sleep. You can't get comfortable anywhere, and you just wish that the baby would come. And yet, the godly women desire to have more. After the first one, they want a second, and then another, and sometimes another, and sometimes another after that. Ladies are called to embrace the curse, to have children despite the suffering That's involved in this and by embracing the curse, the curse becomes a blessing. The pain and sorrow of bringing a child into the world introduces a reward and a blessing that you would never give back. Not only in the joy of having children, but in the role that this particular blessing plays In turning back the curse in our world. Because here's what you need to understand. From Eve, from Adam and Eve onward, the fact that women had babies is the direct traceable way we got a Savior in our world. Because ladies were having babies... And then one day, Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ. And that was God's plan for the redemption of the world. So that from the beginning, when God cursed Eve, He also blessed her. Blessed her. Yes, it would be painful. But the, the joy would overwhelm the pain. God made marriage that he might seek a godly seed. And by raising her children for God, she participates in the great work God is doing in our world in saving sinners and undoing the curse. And that's why 1 Timothy 2.15 says, nevertheless, she shall be saved in childbearing. She shall be saved in childbearing. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to say? Jesus used the pain of giving birth to illustrate the kind of joy that the disciples would were about to experience when he went to the cross. John 16 and verse 21, Jesus, in the upper room, preparing his disciples for his coming death on the cross, said this: A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Jesus was pointing to the pain that the disciples would endure when they saw their Lord Jesus crucified. He said, your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Even so, a mother would gladly go through the pain of bringing children into the world, all over again for the joy that she finds in each one of them. And this joy is God's blessing on her. This joy bringing this child into the world is God's blessing on her. Because yes, she passes through pain, sorrow, suffering. But in the end, it's joy and rejoicing. Now, The point that I'm trying to make here is this. That God, by His plan and His intention, God called women to bear children and God promised that through from Adam and Eve onward, through men and women being fruitful and multiplying, His dominion would spread. The earth would be subdued by having lots and lots of kids and especially raising those kids up To serve and please the Lord, and one of those children, one son of a mother, would be the redeemer of the world, would redeem mankind, and then, as we as parents seek to raise up our children for the Lord, and to see them also be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, we would see his dominion spreading. Throughout the world, this is God's plan, His course for blessing in our world. And we are blessed to have a part in that, to participate. We're not just watching, in other words, we're not just watching the movie. We are actors in it, we are players in this grand scheme that God has made. This is a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. And I'm saying to you, ladies, the blessing of motherhood is the knowledge that I, by raising up these little children, I am doing God's work. Making a significant difference in our world. This is wonderful. And not only that, but God has entrusted a rich inheritance to you. Think of the potential for good. For advancing the kingdom of God. His cause in our world. Spreading the gospel throughout the world. Through our children. What an honor that God would trust these precious souls. These precious lives to us. And what joy they bring us. What delight. How our lives are enriched and blessed by them. But sadly. Wives. Mothers often chafe at the inconvenience and difficulty of rearing children. And so that brings me to the second point I want to make, and that is the hindrances to this joy. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Anyone, pretty much, biologically, short of serious health issues, Biologically, a woman is capable of being a mother. But to be a joyful mother, well, that's another thing altogether. And there are, there are a number of things in our world that attempt to rob you of the joy of motherhood. And I want to talk about those things here for a moment. The first one is, and I'm going to use the word derision. I almost never use all, alliterate, anything but I have an alliterated outline for this point only this point all right hang tight it's like a historic moment in 20 some years of pastoring a Berean I don't think I've done five alliterated outlines but this one is and one of the reasons I hate alliterated outlines is because you always have that one point you can't think of a word for and this is it all right derision derision hinders joy. And this is what I mean by this. The world scoffs and mocks and laughs at motherhood. They, they, they don't have any desire. For, they don't see any value. They don't see where it adds any credit to your life. The world, maybe I should have used the word despise, the world despises motherhood. It's, it is a mark of our rebellion against God that the things that really God has blessed us with the most richly are the things we despise the most. I used to think that abortion was all about men fulfilling their lusts. And I certainly think that men... But, but you know, when you think about it, a, a man can uh, make a woman pregnant and he can just walk away and abandon her whether she carries the baby or not. I certainly think that men pave the highway. And I think they built the infrastructure. I think they built all the bridges and all of that. But today, the abortion rights movement is sustained by men who seek to appease angry Vicious women. When I go to a pro-life rally, the protesters who are standing around the outskirts are 90% women holding up their signs, shaking their fists. The most rabid pro-abortionists are angry and abandoned women. Even the pro-life movement today. One of the reasons we have not eliminated abortion in our country is not because of politicians. So much as the pro-life movement itself, which works very hard to sustain and uphold abortion. The world wants to preserve a woman's right to murder her baby. The world despises the housewife. She's wasting her life if she stays home all day taking care of the kids. She'll never find fulfillment in giving herself away to her children or her family. And unfortunately, Christian women have let the world rob them of the joy of raising children... For the Lord, because the world has made you feel like that is a lesser calling, like you're selling yourself short. You're giving up your life. You have a life. The blessing has become a burden to us, and we chafe at the blessing. Ladies, don't allow the world to define your merit, or your worth, or your value, or tell you. What's valuable, especially when they're telling you something that's contrary to what God says in his word. Take your cue from God and his word, not from a culture in rebellion against God. A second D that hinders our joy is disappointment. Disappointment hinders our joy. We expected to find more satisfaction in motherhood and didn't consider perhaps the amount of work and frustration involved you all know you've cleaned the room you got it all put away you turned about your back for a moment and it was like a tornado came through how did it happen how does this happen you just get the laundry done and then the kids clean out from under their bed and you've got more to do all over again <clears throat> You might be disappointed in yourself, in the job that you are doing. When you're in the trenches, it can be tough to see your way around or past the obstacles that you face. And we tend to obsess about small faults and worry about little details that probably aren't as big a deal as what we want or make them to be. Sometimes a mother can be such a perfectionist, That she burdens herself and her children, and usually her husband, with unreasonable expectations. And this turns into a vicious cycle for her. Her disappointment at her own imperfections causes her to obsess about those imperfections that she sees, especially when she sees them in her children. And then she's fussing about everything and driving everyone away from her. Ladies, work hard. Honor God in your work and trust Him with it. Trust Him with it. Leave it in His hands, in other words. You aren't making it turn out right by your sinful obsession. Your perfectionism isn't making everything perfect. It, in fact, is making everything flawed. Your work depends on God. You do your very best and you leave it in His hands because He is God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Ladies, your sufficiency is of Christ, not of yourself, not of your skill at motherhood, not at your ability as a mother to make the house, you know, sparkle and shine and all your kids dressed immaculately and nobody ever sick or injured and nobody ever hungry. Because they've all fed and you've given them the perfect meal every time, which you ladies know does not exist, right? No matter how much you can feed them and feed them and feed them, and they are still hungry. Here's sufficiency as of Christ. Let Christ be your satisfaction, not your children, not your house, not your family. Rejoice in the Lord. A third thing, discouragement hinders our joy discouragement the work that never ends it's difficult and unglamorous there is no work more unglamorous than changing diapers at all i know because i've watched my wife do it and every time i see her do it or have seen her but she no longer does it <laughs> we're happy to be past that stage of life but when i watched her do it i thought yep very unglamorous for sure Very unglamorous. Um, There's nothing glamorous about cleaning up after a messy diaper. And kids, you know, have the skill. They don't have many skills in life, but they do have the skill to create some spectacularly messy diapers, usually on long road trips uh, when you're about 300 miles away from wherever you're going and away from home, too. Right in that sweet spot in the middle, that's the time. When the, you know, the mess will come out their sleeves and out the top of their shirt and fill their car seat. And of course, you can't go without the car seat, right? And you can't, I mean, the smell from the car seat alone is irredeemable, impossible to improve it at all. When you walk into the bathroom, we're back home now. You walk into the bathroom and you discover your toddlers wrestling over a straw, which they are using to drink the toilet water. That's when you're feeling how unglamorous motherhood can be. When you discover why the kids are so quiet right now, all of a sudden, (laughs) right? Because those quiet moments, just about the time you let your guard down, you know you're in big, big trouble Right there. And when you realize why you should have kept the Sharpie pins in a higher drawer than what you did, and when you realize that your entire day is spent cooking and cleaning and diapers and washing laundry, and you're likely to think, is this really what it's all about? Because I was thinking it was something else. I hope that you can see the glory of God in all those messes and all those fires. That you're putting out all day long and you feel like you're just running herd on the cattle for days on end. Discouragement hinders our joy unless we can look and see that this mess leads to great glory. And God gifted me with this. Disobedience also hinders our joy. The older women are commanded to teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Older ladies in the church, your kids are raised and gone. Be an encouragement to the younger ladies. Remind them that this is, part of the glory that God has given to them in their lives. Notice what Paul said there at the end of that passage that I just read, Titus 2 and verse 5, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Yeah, God's word is blasphemed when ladies don't love their husbands, don't love their children, are not good, sober, chaste, keepers at home, discreet, Obedient to their husbands, the Word of God is blasphemed by that. It's a pretty serious thing. And disobedience to these basic scriptural expectations <coughs> brings reproach on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies, you must obey the Lord in these basic duties. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Ladies, this is your calling. This is what God's called you to do. You envision perhaps great things for yourself and things that you think will make your name great and make you famous. You know, I see a bumper sticker that people use sometimes that, um, you know, good women or nice women never became famous. And if that's your goal and that's your ambition, it really is contrary to what God has for you. We should value ourselves more than that. And desire to honor and please God and exalt Him with our lives by fulfilling our calling the way God intended. If you won't obey these simple, basic things that God has given you as a lady, it's your own fault that you find no pleasure, no joy in fulfilling your ambitions and your dreams and your priorities, and then you feel empty. And wasted. A disobedient wife. That is a wife who is not fulfilling. Who rejects God's purpose for her. Rebels against God's intention. For you as a wife and a mother. A disobedient wife will never be a joyful mother of children. So listen. What I'm preaching to you here is. Bring yourself back under God's authority. Again, live by His priorities. Live to do what He made you to do. And rejoice in that. And hear me on this. There is nothing more fulfilling. Nothing more fulfilling than that. Discontent hinders our joy. This is the kind of sin that's common in our generation. Women who seek fulfillment outside of their home. It's such a common thing today. Their identity, their sense of self-worth, their sense of fulfillment and satisfaction comes from something they do outside of their home. And they have to have something else. It can't be in making the house a wonderful haven. It can't be in building up the children, raising them up. It can't be that. It's too, That's too small. That's too insignificant. That's too unglamorous. All right, give me, you know, let me go be a pencil pusher in someone's office and help them make a lot of money and answer phone calls for them. That's much more glamorous, no doubt. But discontent ruins your opportunity for joy. <clears throat> You know, it's amazing to me, and I was being facetious a moment ago, how little it takes sometimes. A lady, to feel that she's fulfilled now because she, you know, has this job somewhere. McDonald's, flipping burgers. Or she works in a law office. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular for her to feel a sense of fulfillment in it. I brought it up with the ladies who work in our office. Our secretaries, and I appreciate them. I'm not saying that I don't, but I'm saying that this is not your fulfillment. This is not what you were made for. You were made to take care of your children. You were made to take care of your home. You were made to be a help to your husband. And it's a wonderful thing that you can do that. It's very easy for ladies to sacrifice... The well being of their home and family because they put a higher priority on what they're doing for the church than they do what they're doing for the Lord. And that's wrong. It can be very easy for us to despise the work that God gave us. This is the job you God gave you, mothers. He gave you this job, be a mother. Many a housewife is embarrassed by this calling. This is why Paul commanded that the older women teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be keepers at home. You won't be a joyful mother of children if you find yourself dissatisfied with your calling as a mother. Ultimately, the spirit of Discouragement and despair is sin against God. It is a rebellion against Him because He blessed you with this calling. But the world today is filled with unhappy mothers. Mothers who look for any reason or no reason at all to abandon the kids. Who resent the work and labor involved in raising those kids. Who chafe at the lack of glamour or recognition for it, who find no joy in serving their husband and their children. May God correct us where we've rebelled against him in his calling. I have one more point to make here, and that is to point out to you the rejoicing mother. God, as part of his great glory in the world, makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Joyful mother of children. Joy is a complete satisfaction and delight in God and in His will. That's joy. It's a simple definition, but one that we can sink our teeth into. It is a complete satisfaction and delight in God and in His will. And if God has blessed you with children, I hope you can rejoice in this. That you'll take great delight in this, that you'll be completely satisfied that this is what God has for you. Maybe you need to pause at this point before I go any further in the message. And maybe you need to say, Lord, I've been I've been pushing back against this. I've been chafing at it. I've been disappointed in it. I have despised the blessing that you've given to me. If that's the case, I hope before I go any further that you'll pause and say, Lord, correct me in this. Forgive me for this. If you're discontent, disappointed, maybe even a little resentful at this calling. Take a moment and ask the Lord to help you recover the joy of your calling in Christ. If you find great joy in this calling, don't take it for granted. Joy is sometimes more elusive than what we think, and sometimes joy is very elusive. Joy isn't, though, entirely elusive. It doesn't, it doesn't hide in secret places. There's not. I'm not going like, to give you all a key that will unlock the secret place of joy. I'm not going to do that for you this morning. But we shouldn't take it for granted because joy can be lost very easily. And let's face it, any housewife and mother knows how easy, number one, how easy it is to lose things. When you have kids, it's easy to lose things. In fact, sometimes it's hard to keep things and it's definitely hard to find what you have around the house. But also, you know how hard it can be to rejoice when supper's burning and the kids are having a crisis at that moment and besides that, the laundry's piled all over the table and you don't know where you're going to put the dinner when you get it off the stove. It's a rare woman who can rejoice in that and there are moments where you want to pull out your hair and not rejoice in anything. But the joyful mother of children is the woman who is satisfied with in Christ and delighted in this calling and recognizes that there are some challenges in this calling. In fact, the challenges have a way of increasing her joy. How can a wife be this joyful mother? Well, ladies, number one, praise the Lord. Praise Him. Praise Him when the work piles up. Praise Him when everything falls apart. Praise Him when every part of the day goes as badly as possible and maybe worse. Praise Him. I love it that this is the first sentence of the psalm. And I love it that this is the last sentence of the psalm. The psalm begins and ends with praise the Lord. Praise Him. We should always be able to look at the Lord and marvel. How can something so difficult, so bone-crushingly exhaustive, give us so much joy and satisfaction? How can that be? And yet, we've all had that experience, those moments when the weight of the world was on our shoulders and we felt crushed and overwhelmed by all that we had to do and by how little traction we got throughout the day, and yet, a sense of joy... That I have this work to do. Isn't it wonderful once in a while to look at those kids scampering around or scurrying around or lounging around if they're teenagers <clears throat> and to say, you know, they won't be here forever. I'm glad I have them. I'm glad I have this opportunity. God has blessed me. I hope that you have that, had that experience. Because someday the kids are going to take a Sharpie pen and they're going to paint the wall with it. They're not going to paint it very well, but they're going to paint the wall with it nonetheless. And they're going to, once in a while, you'll have one specially creative kid who will paint the wall with the stuff they found in their diapers. They'll spread it all over, and you're going to love it. You're going to praise the Lord in that moment that He's given you this wonderful job to do to clean up after your children and clean them up and keep them on the straight and narrow. And when you burn the dinner and the pets ransacked the bread and the kids spilled the Kool-Aid in the salad, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says, um, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase cometh by means of the oxen. Thank the Lord for the messes that He gives us. In everything, give thanks. For the will, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In those days you spend wiping noses, noses and spanking bottoms, praise the Lord. And then build your house. Proverbs fourteen verse one says, "Every wise woman woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands." Houses are built. With lots of laundry and mac and cheese and Legos left out on the floor at night. They always grow fangs at night. And messes under beds, which the kids were cleaning. They were cleaning those. They're built with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Kool-Aid and trampolines and swimming pools and... Lots of laughing around the table. They're built with spankings and devotions and lots and lots of books. Some of them very silly. And the sillier ones read over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. They're built with frazzled hair and shoes on the wrong feet and pants on the inside on inside out that always blows my mind how they do that. Like, Did you not notice that your pants, your pockets were hanging out? You didn't, you didn't feel that thing? That was weird. <laughs> right there, they're built with stained blue jeans. The brand new ones always get stained first, and muddy shoes, and messy toilets. And you live together and laugh and you love each other. That's how a house is built. Build the house and spread the cheer, keep a sunny spirit about you. Look, yeah, it's a mess. And you know, when it's the biggest mess, that's when people stop by to visit, right? Um, And your mom wants to talk to you on the phone right then. It's urgent. And when you ran out of hair to pull out of your own head, don't pull it out of your kids. Smile and thank the Lord for those challenges. And rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And never mind that that verse is about persecution. Don't make any connection there at all. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Whatever you do, have a twinkle in your eye and spring in your step. And thank the Lord. Because it might be chaos, but it's your chaos. It's your family. Thank the Lord. Make your home a delightful place to be. Sing as you work. That's a good thing, especially when everyone's getting a little cranky and sideways with everyone else. Start singing. Share jokes, even the dumb ones. That's why I'm thankful for Ralph. He's like a steady supply of dumb jokes for our kids. Plan fun times every week. Not once a year. Plan fun times all the time. Serve food they like. I know it's like a mother's thing. Like my mom made me eat Brussels sprouts. I'm going to make you eat Brussels sprouts too. But give them the stuff they like. Now if they like Brussels sprouts, you know, it's good. There's a place for insane children in our world. <laughs> Feed it to them. But if they like mac and cheese, it, you know, you health nuts out there. Get over it, okay? Feed them mac and cheese and hot dogs. Hot dogs? Corn dogs, trailer park lollipops. That's why I call them. Give it to them with mustard, lots of mustard and ketchup. Lots of it. Give it to them. Listen to them. Laugh with them. Love them. Look past the hard work of raising kids and see what can be See the way your work is building Christ's kingdom. When you raise up your children for Christ, you spread His glory and dominion around the world, and that should make you laugh when you're looking at that messy diaper. (laughs) Once upon a time, God preached the gospel to a man named Abraham. The gospel that God preached to Abraham sounds a little Different. Like We don't think of this as gospel preaching, but this is the gospel that God preached to Abraham and that Abraham believed. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In thee. For 50 years, Abraham waited for the promised seed. His wife, Sarah, was barren. If there is no child, not even one, then how could all nations be blessed in me? And so as Sarah advanced in years into her 60s and 70s, In the 80s now. Abraham and Sarah believed God. But there was no promised seed. With each passing year. It seemed more and more impossible. That the seed would come. And that was the point. For with God. All things are possible. Through faith Sarah. Through faith also Sarah herself. Received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. I love that phrase, past age. She was 90 when she had her first baby. Yeah, that's past age. The Bible specializes sometimes in understatement. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Not only did God make the barren womb fruitful, but God kept the bigger promise as well. In Abraham's seed, all nations of the earth are blessed for Jesus is Abraham's promised seed, our Savior. And because of Christ, every mother can be a joyful mother of children because we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. In fact, mothers, by your labor of love, you fill the earth with Christ's dominion. And that's a glorious thing. Let's